0: In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the files. Help us start something special.
1: I am someone who needs to wake up and write something pretty much every day. I feel uh, like I do take, you know. A day off so I probably work six days a week but when I'm in a writer's room on a TV show that is a long day and we're creating story and we're talking about story um but we might not be at the script phase yet so in those moments at lunch or for an hour after the writer's room wraps I will sit down and write something else
0: And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Emmy-nominated screenwriter and author Sasha Rothschild spoke to me about her humble beginnings in showbiz, working with Mark Maron on Glow, and how to write a bingeable thriller like her debut novel, Blood Sugar. Sasha's written and produced a lot of TV shows, including Glow, The Bold Type, The Carrie Diaries, and was named Variety's 10 TV writers to watch. Her long form journalism, How to Get Divorced by 30, was adapted into both an acclaimed memoir and screenplay for Universal Studios. Her debut novel is Blood Sugar, a psychological noir thriller named one of the most anticipated reads of 2022 by Pop Sugar, Book Page, Crime Reads, and more. It's described as the story of the most likable murderess you will ever meet. best-selling author Samantha Downing called it, a fascinating story, wicked sharp writing, and an unforgettable narrator that needs to be on your 2022 reading list. In this file, Sasha and I discussed the feeling of powerlessness that comes with publishing your debut, why she needs to wake up and write something every day, how to write a novel in the gaps, what writers need to know about the frustration of the craft, taking Jane Austen to high tea, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published. And drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us welcome back to the writer files i am honored today to be joined by emmy nominated screenwriter and author sasha Rothschild. welcome to the show thanks so much for taking the time to do this today
1: thanks for having me i'm excited
0: yeah um i can't wait to dig into your latest of course this fantastic novel blood sugar and talk about all things writing writing life But um, yeah, let's turn the clock back and talk about your superhero origins a little bit, because you have this fantastically cool uh, bio and resume coming from the world of television and entertainment. Of course, uh, you've done all kinds of amazing, amazing writing. Let's talk about kind of your humble beginnings. Um, You know, maybe take us back to the early days in Los Angeles. and, And, you know, once you'd kind of decided you wanted to become a a a writer.
1: I um, knew that I wanted to write from a very young age, like five, six years old. I was, you know, writing in my little diary and always felt compelled to write whatever popped into my head. And I loved television. I grew up just loving this idea of popping in with characters week to week. Um, So I always wanted to be a television writer. And I studied... Playwriting in college, and then moved to Los Angeles. And the very first thing I did was get a waitressing job, which <laughs> is the first step to becoming a professional writer. I think um,
0: it absolutely is. Yeah,
1: and I just kept writing and writing, and I I knew that I was a, a bit of a comedy writer. Um, and I then started waitressing at the Hollywood Improv because I thought if I'm going to be waitressing, it'd be great to hear incredible comedians on stage every night and understand uh, the rhythm of jokes and why jokes land. And um, all the while trying to get staffed uh, as, you know, hired on a television show. And it took years and I still was not getting the work. It's very competitive and hard. So I started writing articles in my own voice about my own experiences. And there was this fulfillment of sending an article in a month later, seeing it in a magazine. And that's really what ended up propelling my writing career in Hollywood because one of my articles titled How to Get Divorced by 30 ended up being optioned as a screenplay for Universal Studios. Hmm. And I was hired to then write that screenplay. And so that sort of put me on the map in terms of screenwriting. And then once I was in the studio system, I could say, I really want to write for television and then started developing television and joining other people's shows. And that's, that's how it all started.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty amazing story. I got to, uh, hear a little bit about it on Mark Marin show, which I thought was very cool that you got a chance to do that, to talk about your work with him on glow which i was a huge fan of and i was really sad to see kind of go away talk a little bit about that experience
1: glow is incredible um i came in to that interview knowing that i was a huge fan of genji cohan who created orange is the new black and weeds yeah. um and i had written a uh, a pilot script for HBO that ended up not going to series, but that was the script that got the attention of Genji and the glow camp. And I came into that interview and was very honest and said, I want this show. I want this job writing on glow. I didn't pretend to be, I wasn't coy and I didn't say, Oh, Mm -hmm. I have other interviews. I just said this show about these women in the eighties. I remember watching them as a very small child the the original glow and yeah. I, I can speak to character and I can speak to the comedy, but also the heart of what these women will go through. And I got the job and it was a great lesson in sometimes just really saying what you want, you can get. And it was a, a show run by women. The cast was mostly women. Mark was totally overwhelmed in a very <laughs> am- amusing way. Yeah. The directors were mostly women, the writers were women, and it felt like we were seeing this group of women through the lens of other women, which was very exciting because GLOW originally in the 80s was a very sort of sexualized through the, a male gaze um, mm-hmm. lens. So that that was, I, I loved working on that show and I was sad. Uh, we had a fourth season coming um, mm-hmm. and ultimately covid um sort of killed that fourth season so we were not able to end the way we wanted to
0: a sad and but uh tr- a truly remarkable run um just i thought that the writing was was incredible and um so, so many laughs but also that kind of deeper undercurrent of uh tying into to more contemporary issues as you put it and uh yeah my wife is actually a big fan of the original also um i think that you're a um you know, and for listeners who don't know, Glow stood for the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, right? Yes. And uh well had had a very, very interesting run itself. So um yeah, so from there, talk a little bit about working on this fantastic debut novel because uh it's gotten some incredible advanced praise. And of course, this is the bur- the birthday of your baby today or yesterday. I can't remember.
1: Yesterday, my baby, my novel baby was born. Um, mm-hmm. so it is available Everywhere, which is so exciting. I had an idea for this novel, and I felt very strongly that, okay, this is a novel. This is where this story starts. And I dove in as a screenwriter, and I really thought about this idea of especially working on Netflix shows, wanting to binge, wanting to click next episode, next episode. And I wrote this novel. The chapters are very short, like scenes, There are cliffhangers like episode endings, and um, it's very visual. I I tried not to waste any real estate, which is a phrase that we use in TV writing, um, because everything should have a purpose, whether it be story or emotion or or humor. So I put all of that into the style of writing prose. And I I hope that it's um, something that people will end up binge reading and not being able to put down.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, I can relate to that because I was actually reading the book and uh, I almost I almost forgot that we were doing the interview because I was just kind of engrossed. <laughs> so uh, it definitely is working in that respect and has had some incredible blurbs. Um, and even from Samantha Downing, who's, who's been on this show recently, said of the book, it was one of the best debuts I've read in a while with a fascinating story, wicked sharp writing and an unforgettable narrator that it is uh so talk um some about. you know i want to get back to you know you mentioning talking about the difference between writing for the screen and of course writing prose um and how you combine the two uh to create this bingeable are you are we calling it a noir crime thriller are we calling it a psychological thriller all of the above
1: all i think calling it all of the above. Um uh it is been referred to as a domestic thriller which I learned was a was a genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. it is it is a crime thriller. I think psychological thriller absolutely works. It really delves into a character study of Ruby Simon and we're yep. with her all the way in first person. Um so I think yeah all those descriptions work.
0: Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, Writer's Happy Hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on so talk about kind of the the origins of or the seeds of the novel and then of course how or why you decided to approach it with kind of this idea of the unreliable narrator?
1: Well, this all came about as a, a kernel of an idea based on my own life, which I have found um, as a writer for me, if uh, I have an experience and then I can twist it and turn it and give it stakes and fictionalize it, there's something that anchors it for me as I write it. And um, in real life, my husband is a type one diabetic, which means he can have a low blood sugar late at night And actually die. And it's quite dangerous. Um, And he has a continuous glucose monitor that beeps very loudly if he's low. And the beep wakes me up and I wake him up and he eats sugar and then he's fine and he falls back to sleep. One night I could not fall back to sleep after this happened. And I started thinking, well, what if he died? Well, that would be horrible. But then because my brain always goes to story and plot, I thought, wait, would the police think I killed him? Because the spouse is always a suspect. And then I thought, well, what if I had killed people in the past and now they think I killed my husband and now all this, all these dead bodies are piling up, you know, and, and I, and I realized this is a plot for a novel. This is something very exciting to me. And so the, the tagline actually on the cover of the book is she's accused of four murders. She's only guilty of three. (laughs) Right. So. Once I had this idea, I just wanted to dive in and give um, just give this character some space and and start with uh, just chapter one. She's five years old and we see her commit her first murder. And it's shocking and it's exciting. And it's um, I I hope readers will immediately be like, what the F and and keep reading.
0: For sure. For sure. That's very cool. And congratulations on the work. I thought, yeah, it's getting so much great praise. Um, how, how are you feeling right now, now that it's out there in the world? Because I've spoken recently with authors who kind of say that they have this kind of moment of grief. Like it's, you know, like you've reached this, uh, kind of the top of a mountain, but you see another mountain ahead and, and yeah, talk a little bit about how you're feeling.
1: I'm feeling I'm very excited. I feel um, I don't feel a moment of grief. I feel a moment of powerlessness in the sense that when mm. you're you know, when I'm sitting at my computer writing, there's this whole world that I'm controlling with every word. And now the world doesn't belong to me anymore. It belongs to the readers. And um, there's something exciting about that. And also a little scary about that. And I set out to write a book that I hoped would generate debate. I hope book clubs read this book. I hope some people love it and some people hate it, but that everyone has a strong opinion. So I'm, I'm a little just like, okay, it's out of my hands. And now I'm going to wait and see. um, And so far, there's been a lot of really positive reviews. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Well, you are going to be chatting with Stephanie Roble, I believe. Yes, And she had also a very uh, sweet blurb. She said, inventive, engrossing, and wicked blood sugar is the tale of a woman who just can't seem to stop killing people. Ruby Simon is perhaps the most relatable murderer since Dexter, another author who's been on the show. Yes. So, um, of course, I will point at the book. I will point at your home base there, SashaRothschild.com. And uh yeah it, it's a pretty fascinating story all around. Talk a little bit about I know you you touched on it a little bit, but you know there is a there is a vast difference between working in a, in a writer's room for television and of course writing prose and 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 the novel how do, how have you balanced these these uh different acts of your career?
1: I am someone who needs to wake up and write something pretty much every day. I feel uh, like I do take, you know, a day off. So I probably work six days a week. But when I'm in a writer's room on a TV show, that is a long day and we're creating story and we're talking about story, um, but we might not be at the script phase yet. So in those moments at lunch or for an hour after the writer's room wraps, I will sit down and write something else. When I am in script phase uh, on a series and I'm writing a specific episode, that is what I'm writing. But I have found that it's wonderful to always be writing something, so as projects come out, there's a new idea or there's the next thing, and I just keep my mind busy with a few projects at the same time. So mm-hmm. I was able to write this novel in between television shows um and it's it's been an incredible journey. And I think just sitting down and, and sitting down and writing is, is, is what has to happen, um, versus being up in the middle of the night and thinking of ideas.
0: Interesting. So you kind of just, I mean, did you have a deadline and did you have a point where you're like, okay, I've really got to sit down and get some pages or, you know, had you kind of fleshed out most of what you felt like you needed to do pre kind of the deal?
1: I'm, I'm a writer who, uh, and everyone has their own, their own system. I write incredibly quickly and not well at first, (laughs) my first drafts exist, but they're terrible, but they're fast. And once I have a draft of something and it exists, then I go over and I rewrite and I rewrite and I rewrite. And I'm someone who, you know, probably does 30 drafts of something. Um, whereas other people might take years to do that incredible first or second draft. So I write with layers. Um, so once I had an idea for this book, I just, I got it down. So it existed. And then I spent several years when I had time to go through layer by layer and make it good, hopefully. And um, and then when I felt it was ready, sent it out to um, book agents and got an agent. And then she sent it out. And then within a week, there was um, there was bids from publishers. So it was a very exciting exciting moment. But with this first novel, I wrote it on spec, meaning I just wrote it for me in my own time and then sold it rather than having a deadline.
0: And that's very cool. Uh, and, and heartening to hear that, um, you know, you were kind of p- putting it together piecemeal in, in between these other projects. Um, but it sounds like you kind of lean into this idea of productive procrastination as a writer. So it's kind of like your brain is switching gears between you know, the work at hand, and then some you know another project that you're actually maybe feeling a little bit more inspired to work on,
1: yes, and i i I wouldn't even say that means I'm not inspired to work on the project at at hand because I do love um I, like right now there's a, I'm running a show, a new show for Netflix, which is a spinoff of the franchise to all the boys I've loved before. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's a wonderful series. We're shooting in Korea and my brain is very much on that when I am in front of it. Um, But I, it's, it is nice to sort of take a vacation from those characters and think about other characters at different times. And I, especially in, in Hollywood, as you, your career progresses, you have several projects going usually at once and they're sort of in first position or second position and some things fall apart and then you have the the thing that comes forward to. And so it's, it is common to have more than one thing on your plate.
0: Yeah. 100%. I thought, uh, I thought it interesting. And it's just kind of going back to your upbringing, your history as a writer, that your father was, um, a journalist as well. Did he have some kind of influence over your desire to become a writer did was he the one that maybe planted the seed that you could write for television or maybe a lot of kids who grow up without you know uh, a writer in the family might not know that, that that these shows are written by a team of people
1: absolutely i grew up seeing him sit in his little office off the garage typing away and then all of a sudden there would be a book or an article And I thought it was the most glamorous thing, (laughs) even though there's nothing less glamorous than watching a writer, you know, sitting in in their pajamas typing. But um, I was really taken with this notion that words could be put on a page and then strangers could read those words. And um, my parents always encouraged me to write. I was someone that would write in my diary from, you know, a very young age. and. Always wanted to sort of tell stories with words. And I had a very different path from my father, who was a nonfiction humorist um, and journalist. Um, I realized I was more excited about fiction, about exaggeration, about twists and turns and heightened stakes. But he definitely taught me a lot about writing and um, about the just that, you know, most of writing is is sitting down and and being by yourself and struggling <laughs> and that's okay um and i i had this this funny you know there's that sort of cliche thing about uh 99% perspiration yeah. and 1% inspiration well with my father i learned that writing is 99% playing solitaire on the computer <laughs> and and 1% inspiration um
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that's funny because he mu- he must have had like one of the early you know, word processor computers that, yes. uh, you know, like could, ba- yes. could barely get on the internet to play, yeah. to play solitaire. Um, I had my father also, uh, had one of those and would play solitaire endlessly. And I never got, I, yeah, just, I never understood the, the, uh, allure of it until recently. And I started playing solitaire just to see, and now I do it on my iPhone and I don't really know why, but it's just kind of, it, it keeps me from it, going crazy. It,
1: yeah, I think it means we're getting <laughs> old. If if we like playing solitaire, you've like crossed a threshold of age. Thank
0: you. Thank you for that diagnosis. <laughs> i found it very interesting also that uh kind of one of the seeds of blood sugar was planted uh much earlier actually as you were missing a train uh or because you missed a train talk a little bit about uh how that kind of bled into uh the latest
1: Yes. Okay. So I was a very good student in college, um, very organized, very type A. And I went to visit a friend um, at Brown University on her birthday. Her grandmother had died. She was very sad. And I had I went to go see her on a, I took an Amtrak train um, and had to get back to, to college, had to get back to Boston College for class. I did not ever miss class. And on my way back, I, uh, saw my train was leaving the station and I thought, oh my God, i I've got to get on that train. And I noticed that one of the doors was sort of flapping open and closed. And I, and I really thought I'll just jump on the train. How hard could it be? (laughs) Well, it turns out it's very hard because trains are so big. They appear to be moving slower than they are moving. (laughs) And I ran and jumped Totally sober by the way, not some <laughs> sort of drunk drunk college kid. I did I made this decision sober. Oh and I landed my right hand and my right foot got inside the train and my left leg got stuck in the gap that you're supposed to mind. Oh, yeah. And the train kept moving forward. And I won't get too detailed in case it's triggering for people, but I was pulled under the train and it's an absolute miracle that I'm alive. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. And so needless to say, I missed a lot of class about six months, but ended up graduating on time because I was so type A. <laughs> but um, after that train accident, I really started thinking about, you know, why did I survive and what does this mean? And was it luck or fate? Who am I? All these large questions. And I had post-traumatic stress and I had nightmares about giant metal whales, which was hmm. such a cliched symbol of a train. I thought, can't my subconscious do better than that? Um, but I started going to therapy to to work through the post-traumatic stress. And and in therapy, I I it it helped me a great deal. And I ended up loving therapy. It's not fun all the time, but I have remained in therapy on and off my whole life. I think a lot of writers are in therapy or, you know, possibly could be or should be. <laughs> okay. It really helps. It helps bringing out, I think, not only your own your own neuroses or insecurities, it, helping those, but it helps with character mm. because you can understand humans a little bit mm-hmm. more um, if you understand yourself a little bit more. So yes, that is the, the the infamous train story.
0: And of course, it kind of winds its way into the, are we calling Ruby Simon a protagonist?
1: We are calling her um, an anti-hero, <laughs> <Okay>. I think. <laughs> um, she's an anti-heroine. I, she's certainly the protagonist. She's the person we are with, we are hearing from, and I think some people will not like her, and that's okay.
0: <laughs> of course.
1: But she is she is our protagonist.
0: Fantastic. Well, congrats on the work. Uh, before we wrap up here with your advice to your fellow scribes on how to persevere, um, a couple of fun ones. Are you? Do you have anything on your nightstand right now or any authors you want to mention that have vastly or greatly influenced your work?
1: Um, one book that really influenced me the past couple of years was Circe Mm. by Madeline Miller. Um, she took a maligned lesser God S who we've only heard about through, you know, the songs of men in Greek mythology and told us her story. And it was so beautifully done and so clever. And she really inspired me to actually continue with blood sugar. Um, I was sort of halfway through Blood Sugar, and when I read Cersei, I thought there is room for for anti heroines. There is room for women who are flawed. Um, so many men get to be flawed, and it's it's you know we we love Dexter, and we we love Walter White, and we love Tony Soprano, and it's and it's time that we get to love Ruby Simon.
0: Speaking of loving Ruby Simon, are, are there any adaptations, uh, or has the, has the work been optioned?
1: I am, uh, investigating that right now. So I, I hope so. I hope it will turn into a series possibly, or a movie. I definitely have my eyes on that.
0: Fingers crossed. Yes. And very exciting. So, uh, if you could have any author for an all expense, uh, any author from any era for an all expense paid, uh, dinner to your favorite spot, who would you take and where would you take them?
1: (sighs) Oh, I would love to sit down with Jane Austen and I, I don't, where would we go? I think I would love to go somewhere fancy with her, yeah. like tea at the, at the, at the fancy hotel in, uh, you know, some sort of like fancy Four Seasons afternoon tea with Jane Austen would be amazing.
0: Uh, Denver has the, the Brown Palace, which does like the, uh, the high tea, um, where where it's been, you know, it's been tended by Obama and many presidents. And and
1: yes, I will, I would love to go there (laughs) and got and and gossip with Jane about character and how her, her work has lived on. Um, and is so perfect.
0: Well, I know you got to go. Do you have a pearl of wisdom on just how to persevere for, for your fellow writers?
1: Um, yes. The words cannot hurt you. So sit in front of the computer or in front of the page and write them down. Because if they are in your head, you are not a writer until you write them down.
0: I love that. Sasha, thank you so much. Congrats on everything. Um, Hopefully you'll come back and wrap with us in the future. And um, best of luck with your virtual tour.
1: I'd love to. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.